right, all right. Come on, 10 o'clock. You doing okay? You feeling all right? Yeah. Hey, we have people who are with us for the very first time ever this weekend, and so we want to say hello to you. We also have some of your church family who's doing church online on the other side of those cameras right there on YouTube, Facebook, or church online. Would you all just get as loud as you can? Help me welcome first-time guests and everybody watching online. We're glad you're here. And if you are new to us, my name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, thrilled to have you spend some time with us this morning. And we are wrapping up this series we've been in called Asking for a friend. There's also Life Track Step 1 going on right now. If you didn't catch it in church news and you're planning to participate in that, go ahead and head out the lobby uh, to the Life Track room for Step 1. Um, we've, been, we've been spending several weeks, and today's the conclusion of this series, with questions that really probably a lot of us have at different seasons of our life, but maybe you're a little embarrassed to ask it. That's kind of the premise of this, of this series. So I'm asking for, for a friend, right? And, um, and so we've, we've been working on that, and uh, I've just got to be honest with you this morning, um, it's kind of a heavy topic today, all right? I was actually a little nervous about this topic, and um, so we'll get to that in just a second, but I do want to remind you, first Wednesday, this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, full worship, child care, all of that will be here, and we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, all right? So what is that, and um, is it weird and spooky or whatever, and is it real? And like, so when Paul says we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in high places... What in the world is he talking about? Um, and so we're going to kind of unpack that Wednesday night and uh, talk about the authority that you have through the blood of Jesus in, in your life. And I, I want you to be here. I think it's going to be helpful to you uh, as we continue through the fall season. And then it's kind of a busy week. Next Sunday, seven days from today, um, we, we started, our, our student ministry has started doing this, this thing once a month. They meet every Sunday night, our, our teenagers, middle school and high school and it's kind of been growing. It's been fun to watch. Uh, but once a month, they have a special night called Motion Night, which is really all about getting extra people there and friends there. And in fact, at a Motion Night recently, we had 18 students make decisions to follow Jesus, uh, which is just really cool. So uh, our leaders are doing just a fantastic job. I'm so proud of Whitney, our Next Gen's director, and the team that she's leading there. And um, so if you have teenagers or you know teenagers or middle schoolers, high schoolers, I don't know how, like, how they like to be referred to these days. I don't know if you say teenager or student or young person, but you all know the people I'm talking about, all right? Middle school and high school, get them to motion night. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be really good. And then one last thing before I get into the content, I am battling like some bronchitis. My voice is not 100%. And uh, even when I breathe, I got a little rumble here and, and been coughing like crazy. I... Um, I made the mistake, well, it wasn't a mistake, I didn't know. I had, I had done like all the chest muscles at the gym, like worked them really hard, and then the next day this cough kicked in. Come on, how many of y'all know, I was like, God, what did I do? Why do you hate me this week? I mean, just uh, lots of pain. So hopefully my voice survives the morning, uh, but I, otherwise I feel good. And so uh, this is a heavy topic. Um, I, I was actually a little nervous preparing this for you this week, and it's emotional for me because I'm going to be very raw with you about kind of some of the stuff I've been trying to unpack and process. But I've been doing church work now really my entire adult life. I, I graduated high school, went straight into um, a ministry school that was like vocational, so I got to put my hands on it while I learned it, and um, jumped right into full-time ministry when I, when I finished that. And um, even for a short season where I wasn't vocational in ministry, Amanda and I were still very involved with ministry in our church. And so if there's one thing I have learned over now 20 years of doing this kind of stuff is that um, 
there's a lot of people hurting. There are a lot of people hurting. And so here's kind of the question that I want to deal with today. It's, a, it's really more of a statement at first before it's a question. And maybe this would be you today. You would say, hey, I'm in pain. And I'm not really talking about physical pain. So I don't mean like you stubbed your toe this morning, although I feel it for you. I have empathy for you. Um, and how many know it's always the same toe, right? It's, and they, it always comes in groups. It's never like you just once and then it doesn't happen again for six months. Oh, no. You're going to hit that same one again and again and again over the next several days. Come on, anybody else have demonic furniture in your house like I do? Yep, all right. Uh, so I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about like your heart hurts, like emotional pain, wounds. Um, something has happened to you. You've had loss. Somebody did something to you or said something to you. you you've got real pain, which I don't think we take enough time to talk about. And I think even in kind of our brand of church, our flavor of church, we like to skip over this and just be like, faith, joy, put a smile on, everything's good. And how many know this morning, like, come on, quick show of hands, let's all be transparent for just a second. How many would agree, it's not always good. It's not always good. It's not always okay. Um, so the question is, if I'm in pain, how do I get better? How do I get better? And I just want to say this morning, if you're not in pain right now, don't check out. Don't check out on this message because I can pretty much 100% guarantee you at some point in your life you're going to experience pain. It's a part of the human condition. Amen? Um, it's really what it's called, being human. Uh, I heard a psychologist say recently uh, that they were, they were dealing with someone, counseling someone, and they were just listing off all the things that were bothering them, and, and the counselor just looked at them and said, you know, Sounds to me like you're just having a hard time being a human being. It's just, there's pain. It's, it's, it's a part of it. Uh, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to help you with this, I think. I'm going to try. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to try by sharing some of what's been helping me. Because I've, I've had some pain uh, that I've been trying to work through. But before I do that, I think it's important for us to, to get a biblical perspective on what causes pain. Like where does it come from? Where does pain come from? And so I just want to help you with that. Before we, before we do the healing, uh, I want to talk about where pain, hurt, emotional wounds are actually born. And I'm not going to be real preachy or fiery today because I don't think that's what you need. If you are in pain, you don't need me to yell at you. Um, you need somebody who just says, I know what that's like. And then I'm just going to try to teach you some things that are in the Bible there's a lot of psychology in your Bible. Do you know that? Um, like Solomon, I think, was maybe like the first psychologist, philosopher, maybe. Uh, it, it just There's a lot of psychology in your Bible. It really is. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. So we're all the way back at the creation account now, the beginning of mankind, the beginning of humanity. And it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden. Y'all know who, he, who that was. What was his name? Adam. Adam. All right. The Garden of Eden to tend, excuse me, <coughs> and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Adam, this is all for you. And he, he adds Eve later. He says, this, this is all for you guys. Enjoy it. Except the tree of the, say this word right here. Knowledge. Come on, say it real loud so I know you're with me. Except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So we sometimes misrepresent this, not on purpose, and we say the tree of good and evil. It was not the tree of good and evil. 
It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, God's original plan for humanity was that you really not have to wear the weight, bear the weight or the burden of knowing the difference between good and evil. That was reserved for God. He's judge. You were never supposed to have to worry about that. You were supposed to be able to live in innocence. Come on, wouldn't that be nice? Like the Bible says they were naked and unashamed. When's the last time you felt like that? Right? So <clears throat> he says, you, you don't go there. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Seems harsh. The Bible actually tells us there's two trees in the garden. I don't, I don't have time to show it all to you. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we'll see the other one here in a second. But there's also the tree of life. The tree of life. It's one of the things we, if you're going through one of our freedom classes, you're learning about the, the two trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And how important it is to choose to eat from the tree of life. It's core to our church. We want to be a life-giving church. And so we don't want to swing over to knowledge of good and evil and be shameful and condemning and hurtful to people. We want to be people who live in the tree of life, who encourage and build up. Come on, y'all. you with me this morning? That's, that's the tree that we want to hang out in. But Adam and Eve tre- choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil here. And, and, and here's why. Later on, the serpent shows up who is represent, a representation of who? Satan. Yep. All right. Satan. All right. So I'll give you another chance just so we all get it. So the serpent represents who? Satan. Okay. All right. So he's the enemy. He's God's enemy. And he's your enemy. And so he starts having this conversation with Eve And I want you to notice, he doesn't completely lie to her. This is what the enemy does. He is a liar, but he's so good at it, he'll take truth and turn it just a little. That's how the enemy lies to you. He'll take truth and he'll turn it just a little. He'll get you to believe things like, God just wants you happy. Well, he he does want you happy, but that's not his top priority. His top priority is holy, right? Your holiness. All right, so he he says to Eve, hey, you're not going to die. Well, obviously that's a lie. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. So what's the temptation? The temptation is you'll be like God. Doesn't that sound pure? Who wouldn't want to be like God? Which I would argue to you that it's actually dangerous territory when Instead of just being content to be with God, we start wanting to be God. Right? They were going to be in the garden with God. It was never his plan for them to be God. But that's Satan. He just, 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 come on, you'll be just like him. Don't you want to be like him? And who would, we always give Adam and Eve a hard time, right? We're like, they ruined it for us. Come on, let's just be honest. If the serpent came to you and was like, you'll be like God. Come on, every single one in this room, we would have eaten that fruit. Because we would have thought it was a pure motive. Even though it's rooted in disobedience. He says you're going to be like God, knowing both good and evil. Which remember, you weren't supposed to know. God was supposed to know. Humanity was not created to know good from evil. In our perfect pre-sin state, we were sheltered from the awareness of evil. Wouldn't that have been nice? And, that, and so there's a, there's a responsibility and a burden that God can handle. It was meant for him. It was not meant for you and I. Are you tracking with me so far this morning? All right. Yes? You with me? Okay. All right. 
Genesis 3-7, at that moment, what moment? Well, they just ate the fruit. Eve eats it first. She's like, mmm, this is good. Adam, come here. He's like, mmm, good. Woman, find fruit. You know, he's just, he's, at that moment, so they both eat it. At that moment, their eyes were what? And all of a sudden, they feel something they were never supposed to feel. Shame. Something's wrong. Eve, something's... Eve. I mean, there's just... Why? They're like... There's shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Watch this. When we attempted to step up to God's level... We fell into sin. You tracking? Dr. Henry Cloud says it this way attempting to be more than human made us less than human. We fell. And then God did something amazing. Chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Look, human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. Who's us? It's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Knowing both good and evil, what if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life and eat it, then they will live forever. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. So like there's a big old TBN angel now guarding, uh, y'all don't know what TBN is? All right, I guess we're not that church. That's good. Uh, And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So humanity becomes aware of good and evil, a burden they were never supposed to carry, and by the way, you're not designed to carry. Did you know that you actually cannot handle the burden of knowing good from evil? You can't, and I can't. We, we were not made for that. But we took the fruit, and we became aware of good and evil. So what does God do? He says, well, now that you know about good and evil, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut off the tree of life. I'm gonna make that unavailable to you. And I want you to think about this. The God who promises us eternal life prevents Adam and Eve from living forever. Why would he do that? And I'm convinced it's not punishment, it was love. He did not want us spending eternity in our shame, our pain, and our brokenness. Being being removed from the garden was not punishment, it was love. And so he takes Adam and Eve out of the garden and he places them in this new construct called time. And he says, all right, listen, there's a way back, but it's not going to be the way it could have been. He puts us, he puts humanity in this process called time and establishes reconciliation and redemption. And if you look far enough down that timeline, somewhere down there is what? The cross of Jesus. 
He says, I'm going to put you in time, and there's going to be this process, and we're going to go through all, and there's going to be the law, and there's going to be the commandments, and there's going to be uh, the, all, all these things that humanity has to go through, but eventually you're going to get to the cross, and the cross is going to make it possible for humanity to get back to the state that I really wanted you in all along. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. I, I, I know it's a little teachy and dry, but I, I'm hoping this helps you. Are you all okay this morning? You with me? All right. Colossians 1.19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God, what? Reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on what? The cross. And so you live now in time. Thank God for the cross, but now we're still in this process of reconciliation and redemption. What is, what is redemption? Re- redemption is every day trying to become a little bit more like the you God wanted you to be all along, redeeming, to get you back to what his original plan was for you. It's called a process. Everybody say process. You're in a process. Did you know that? And you might not be actively participating, but you are in a process. And And the hard part is that process involves pain because we are aware of good and evil. And, and at the same time, we were created to just be innocent in God's presence. And so there's this kind of constant longing, groaning desire to leave our current condition and rejoin God in the condition that he had for us all along. It's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. And we believers also groan. Groan. Come on, everybody just on the count of three, let out your best groan. One, two, three. <laughs> the, really, the only reason I did that is I wanted to see how many of you would do it. That was purely for my own entertainment. Thank you. Even though, watch, we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. So we have the presence of God, and it's like this, oh, it's going to be good one day. It's going to be good one day. It's going to be good one day. But we also long for our bodies to be released from what? Sin and suffering, pain, hurt, turmoil. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised for us. So here's the deal. Here's where pain comes from. There's this perfect or ideal version of life. And because you now know good from evil, even though your interpretation of it is not always as accurate as you think it is, that's one of the huge problems with our society right now, is, is uh, faith in Jesus has been removed. It used to be in this column called truth, and now society has moved it into a column called belief and opinion. Okay? You tracking? Right? And now society has started to create its own ideas about what is perfect and ideal, and they're flawed, because human ideas are always flawed. But the longing and the groaning for what's perfect is the reason that, even though statistically Christianity has declined in America, Americans are more self-righteous than they've ever been. I mean, have you ever just noticed how judgy our world is right now? And it's all sides. 
And, and a lot of it now is built around political ideology. That has become the new faith, the new religion for many people because they've moved faith into a column called opinion or belief. I just need you to know this this morning. I wouldn't do what I do if it was built on opinion. The Bible is truth. Jesus is, the Bible says he is grace and truth embodied. Come on, somebody. It's truth. So we, we see perfect and ideal. We have these ideas of what it should be, but the problem is we fell, right? We, we are in a fallen state and we live in a fallen world. And down here at the bottom of the fall is this word called reality. That's why we get, that's why we have phrases like, I'm dealing with a dose of reality. And we live in reality, but we look towards the ideal. And the gap in between is where pain comes from. So let me show you. I live in the reality where people get cancer diagnosis. But they long for the perfect and the ideal where that doesn't happen. We live in the reality where some of us don't have family members here anymore because sickness took them and we miss them. And we say it shouldn't be that way. My wife and I were talking about my mom yesterday who we just, we love. And my stepdad died about 10 years ago. It's coming up on 10 years ago now. And there's a part of me that's like, it shouldn't be that way. It was better when she had him. You tracking? That's the gap. And the gap hurts. My marriage should have been good, but it wasn't. I didn't want my kids to end up with the wrong crowd and addicted and making terrible choices, but they did. And the gap between reality and what's ideal hurts. And I don't think we do enough or take enough time in the church to acknowledge pain. It hurts. It hurts. In fact, I, I, I really believe like God whispered to my heart this week, like a lot of people listening to this message today, you have real legitimate, unattended to pain. And you've never dealt with it, and you've never processed it. And, and, and some just, we're even just kind of pretending it's not there. And every day of our life we have to negotiate a gap that we were never meant to negotiate. By the way, good news is, the win isn't for you to get yourself from here to here. This guy named Jesus showed up and, and went to the cross for us, and he left here and came down to our level. Come on, somebody, to be with us. And then there's a process he can take us through where incrementally the Bible says we're being perfected, we're being pulled towards that version of life that God really wanted for us all along. So psychology would say when you're dealing with the gap, when you're negotiating the gap, when you're dealing with pain, there are three tendencies that human beings have. Uh, most of our responses will fall into one of these three categories, all right? And so the first option you have when you're hurting and when you're dealing with pain 
or something has happened to you is to deny the bad. So this is where you kind of just go, it's not that bad, I'm okay. I'm all right, everybody, or we normalize it. Everybody has to deal with stuff, I'm not special. My, my pain's not a big deal. And, and uh, it's a normal human response, but it's not a healthy response. You all with me this morning? And some of you are doing that right now. You're like, ah, I don't need this message, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. No, you're not, you're in pain. And so we deny the bad. Well, they didn't mean to hurt me. I, I know they never wanted to abuse me. Uh, I grew up in a home with abuse, physical and verbal abuse. And there's a part of it that came from, it was generational. So uh, the guy who I called my dad, he's not my biological father, but who I called my dad, he was just repeating what, what his father before him, and, and thank God actually at a much lower level of severity than what he endured. So he tried to be better, but he never got better because he had unprocessed pain. And so what you do is you go, well, they're just, you know, it's because of the way they grew up and he didn't mean to do it. So you deny the bad. And you never actually deal with the fact that regardless of why or how broken they were, it wasn't okay. And it hurt. You all with me so far? So that's, that's option number one. And some, some of us do that. Something hurts us and we deny the bad. No, it's not that bad. It's, it's okay. The other option is that you actually deny the good. And so then you go, well, that, that one pastor hurt my feelings, so all churches are terrible, right? Uh, this is happening, denying the good is happening like on a massive scale in our society right now. This, it's, it happens in, it's happening in churches all over the place right now. This would be the equivalent of me going to Walmart this afternoon, which I will not do because going to a Walmart on the weekend makes you crazy. But let, just imagine for a second that as I'm walking in, the greeter says, hey, um, welcome to Walmart. Uh, redheads are stupid and you're ugly. Well, that would hurt, right? That hurt my feelings. And so what I could do is I could go, you know what? All Walmarts are evil. I will never go to another Walmart because of that greeter. So you deny the good. Well, the truth is, that greeter is probably just having a bad day or he's a jerk and needs to be fired. But Walmart's not necessarily the problem, just that dude's got a problem. Y'all tracking with me, yeah. right? So we deny the good and we say, well, if that one's bad, then they're all bad. If my first marriage failed, then, then all women are bad or, my, or all men are bad. So th these are just natural human responses. And then the third one, which I think we're also seeing on a wide scale right now in our world, is to attack and judge. So your, your natural response to pain will be to do one of these three things. You'll either deny the good or deny the bad, or you'll start attacking and judging everything and everyone. And what Jesus gives us is the tools to not continue in that pattern, which is unhealthy and broken and will not bring healing. Jesus leaves perfection and he comes down to our reality and he actually gives us tools to process the pain and actually see redemption take place in our lives so that we can have wisdom on the other side of it and learn from it and get better. And I, I don't mean to be crude or gross or whatever, but even Jesus uses this word picture in the Bible to talk about things that happen in our heart. He says, it's like food that you consume. It goes in 
you process it and, and you're supposed to leave it at some point. Y'all know what I'm alluding to? I don't want to have to spell it out for you. But the food's not supposed to stay in your body forever. Right? Okay? And Jesus even, he gives us that word picture. Here, here's, here's the problem. Pain and emotional experiences come into your life. You're supposed to digest and metabolize so that you can leave it behind. Y'all with me? So you can, you can leave it behind. The problem is we don't. And so at the risk of sounding crude, what I've learned after doing ministry all these years is we have lots of people walking around in constipated pain. I mean, you, some of y'all act constipated, if I can just be honest with you. you just grouchy all the time. It's because there's something that happened to you that's, and it's, you never processed it, you never metabolized it, so that it could leave you and you could move on. And let me tell you how I know. Because at 41 years old, I just found a whole bunch of it. And I had to get somebody to help me unpack that and understand it. For me, a lot of it is connected to, I, I shared this openly with our church at the beginning of 2020. Uh, for the first time in my life, I met my biological father. And um, it started beautiful. And I wouldn't say he's a terrible guy or anything like that. Nothing, he didn't do anything. <laughs> Except I had never processed the fact that he wasn't there. So I had a professional say to me, hey, I think, um, I think you need to grieve the fact that your father never pursued you, your earthly father never pursued you, and that hurts. And y'all, the moment that they said that to me, I just, <clears throat> yes, that's it. Like, I, I, I had so much unprocessed pain, I couldn't even put words to it. Somebody else had to help me. Exp and, and I use words for a living. Like, I do words. And I wonder how many of us have something in our lives Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's not that big. But there's pain. And, so, and, and it wasn't just that thing. That thing opened up the book to my whole childhood to realize, oh, my gosh, there's a whole bunch of stuff there that I just normalized it. I put my head down, started grinding, started living life, and I never dealt with it. And pastors have the best excuse, the best way to avoid dealing with it because we can just turn our attention on other people. And I've actually even said this from the platform today, and so in all three services, I'm asking for your forgiveness. Because I've said things along the lines of, get on a dream team, go serve. As you put your focus on other people, you'll forget about your stuff. And that's actually not scriptural, and it's not healthy. Serving is a component of healing, but you will not be able to serve yourself to healing without processing the pain that's inside of you. So we all forgive me? Is that okay? Can I have some forgiveness? It seemed to me like you weren't sure. <laughs> so Jesus gives us the tools to process it. Watch this. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, and the living should take this to heart. Watch this. 
Frustration is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. Well, hold on. Doesn't the Bible say laughter is good for the heart? Yes, it does. So which one is it? It's both. It's, it's understanding that fake laughter, when I'm actually in pain, doesn't do anything. What I need to do is acknowledge the pain. Allow myself to feel the sadness. The heart of the wise is where? In the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And so many of us, and I think kind of our brand of Christianity even feeds this sometimes, many of us keep trying to put on the pleasure face to tell ourselves it's okay. And Solomon actually says, no, you need to go be sad for a little bit first, and then you'll be happy. And I just, we don't talk about this enough. Are y'all enjoying this today? Isn't this fun, talking about sadness? Isn't this great? Y'all need a deep breath? Come on, deep breath. One, two, three. I can't do it because I'm going to cough. All right, so here's where I'm going to wrap up. I don't think this is an exhaustive list. I want to say the same thing to you that I said a couple weeks ago when we talked about stress. I'm not a psychologist. Um, I'm not a mental health professional, but I am a mental health patient. That's supposed to be funny. And uh, so here's what I'm learning. There are some components to dealing with your pain. And I don't know that they happen in the order I'm going to give them to you today, but I want to equip you to handle your pain the right way. Because you probably have some. And if you don't right now, you will. Somebody will say something abusive to you or hurtful to you. Someone will ignore you. Someone will overlook you. Some of you have it. Some of you are you're, you're my age or older and you've never dealt with what happened to you as a kid. Someone abandoned you, abused you, said hurtful things to you, and you haven't gone there and you need to go there. And I, it's not much touchy-feely shrink stuff. You need to heal because only healed people can heal people. All right, so here it is. It's what I've learned so far. There's probably more to it than this. Um, number one is I need to embrace the process of, of pain. pain. Pain is a process. And you've got to embrace that. I was listening to uh, Dr. Henry Cloud talk about PTSD victims. And he said what, what literally happens when, you're, when somebody has PTSD is the things that happen to them they're stuck in the part of the brain that keeps reliving it. It never moves to the part of your brain that can put it into a timeline and create a narrative around it. So you can't say to someone dealing with PTSD, that's in the past, let it go, because for them it's not in the past yet. But you can say to someone with PTSD, hey, tell me about your pain. I'll, I'll, I'll offer you my ears and my heart, and, and I'll try to love you while you process through your pain. Pain is a process. And you cannot get better until you understand that it's a process. And we say things even in Christianity, like we use Paul's scriptures about like, well, leaving what was behind, I press on to. Actually, that scripture has nothing to do with emotional health. It's about a pathway to righteousness. And even that, he spent about 14 verses before that processing it. 
So before you can leave it and move on, you have to process it. So just embrace the idea that, hey, pain comes with a process, and I won't heal unless I embrace the process. And then here's what that process has kind of been looking like for me, is I have to go ahead and identify the source. How'd I get hurt? How did I get hurt? What? Remember when you were a little kid and you'd like crash your bicycle and you come running to your parents and you're bleeding all over? The, that was me. I'm bleeding all over the place. What's the first thing mama says? What happened? While she's cleaning it, what happened? Oh my gosh. What do you mean what happened? I crashed my bike. But we don't take time in our own pain to go, what actually happened? What, who hurt me? Is it self-inflicted? Did somebody else do something to me? Is it, is it just the fact that I live in a fallen world and people are never gonna drive politely on I-95? Do I just need to get over that? I mean, what, like, what is it? Identify the source of your pain. So maybe it's, so that person abandoned me. They were never there. And that hurts. That's not resentment. That's not anger. That's not holding a grudge. It's just the acknowledgement of the source of your pain. Are y'all tracking with me so far? So just identify the source. And then what you're going to have to do is evaluate your expectations. So what do you want? What do you, where, where do you think? Like, do you want them to come grovel at your feet? It's, that might not happen. What do you want? What are your expectations? This is why for me personally, when it comes to mental and emotional health, I have taken the word normal and removed it from my vocabulary. Normal's like a moving target. And I've just, I've just come to the conclusion that I'm never gonna be normal. It's your chance, go ahead, amen it. Like and neither are you, by the way. You're never gonna reach a place where you wake up one day and you go, I'm normal, I made it to normal. You know what normal is? It's a word that we use to replace that ideal and perfection. So when we say to people like, you know, your behavior is just not normal, what we're actually saying is your behavior is not ideal. And so here, here, here's the deal. You know what, I, can't, I cannot pursue normal, but I can pursue healthy. So that's my expectation. I'm just gonna keep pursuing health. You know what I want? Healthy. Healthy. Uh, author Scott Peck said this. He said, life is difficult. Can I get an amen? And as soon as you realize this, it becomes less difficult. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have trials. Like, stuff's not going to work all the time. Because you live in reality, and there's a gap. So you're going to have to embrace the process, identify the source, and then give yourself space to grieve. Grieve. I, I'd never done this. I had never done this. And I, I just, I'm just being honest with you guys. I was hitting a lid where I could not grow. I, I wouldn't even be able to continue leading this church. I wouldn't have been able to do it until I figured out what's jacked up inside of me and give myself space to go, I'm sad about that. I'm sad. I've taken time to evaluate my childhood and go, I'm not gonna replay it forever, I don't have to stay there forever, but I need to process it because I never processed it. 
and take time to go, that's sad. That wasn't good. If we could have a do-over, I think I'd like for that to go differently. Right? By the way, then you've got to be ready for the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, so you can leave it behind. And I want to I say to you today, for those of you who are just trying to pretend everything's good, I actually think you're missing out on a blessing. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, God blesses those who what? Mourn. For they will be comforted. Later on in your te- New Testament, the Bible actually says that part of your job as a follower of Jesus is to give to others the comfort that you've received from Jesus. Look, watch this. Unless you grieve, unless you mourn the pain in your life, you cannot let Jesus comfort you, which means you'll be of no comfort to others who need it. I hope this is helping you this morning. I feel like I'm kind of preaching myself healthier. You're going to have to give yourself space to grieve. I'm sad that my marriage didn't make it. I'm sad that I'm not going to be able to go play with my kids because I'm going to be taking chemotherapy treatments. I'm sad that my business failed. I'm sad that my friend betrayed me and gossiped about me. Have you done that? If not, you need to do it. Amen? (laughs) Some of you are like, amen. I guess. All right. And then here's the last one. Uh, This really won't apply if nobody did anything to you, but if they did, you're going to have to choose forgiveness. You will not be free without forgiveness. Might even need to forgive yourself. I hate that one. Some of us are, some of us hate ourselves. You literally don't like yourself. And I can relate. Some of us, somebody did something to us or said something to us or neglected the relationship or abandoned us. And forgiveness is not to ignore what happened. It's just to make the decision they don't owe me anything. I'm bringing the balance to zero. That's what Jesus did for you when he went to the cross. That's why you can't earn your salvation because you got forgiveness. Forgiving yourself, man, that really challenged me. I, I had somebody challenge me in this recently. They said, hey, you remember when the, the religious leaders came to Jesus and they said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And then what's he say? He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as your, come on, love your neighbor as your self. Love yourself. Now, some of you are totally fine with that concept, but if you're like me, or if you're one of the people who's been wounded, like, you don't even know how to process that statement. Love yourself. I mean, just, even just saying it sounds icky. Like, how do I love? 
I don't even like myself sometimes. How am I going to love myself? What is that? It means to slow down and process the pain. Give yourself some empathy. I had a, I had a moment this last summer where I just kind of cried a little bit about some things that I was processing. And Amanda and I were sitting next to each other. We were in the car. And um, there's a counselor that I talk to. She works with a lot of pastors, a lot of leaders. And it's, it's actually honest, or awesome that I get to, it's an honor that I get to have this person speak into our lives. And Amanda and I kind of started laughing because we could hear her voice saying, hey, buddy, that's real stuff you're feeling. Hey, buddy, it's all right. Go ahead and let yourself feel that. Self-love, self-empathy. And Jesus actually says, like, you ain't going to have a whole lot to offer anybody else without that. You've got to choose forgiveness. Choose forgiveness, choose for, which is hard, isn't it? Forgiveness is hard. I, th- I think that's why Peter came to Jesus and he was like, hey, Jesus, people are a trip. They keep doing stuff to me. How often? Come on, anybody else ever felt like that? How much are we going to have to put up with, Jesus? How many times are they going to hurt us? How many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? And I think Peter thought he was going to sound really spiritual. And he's like, seven? I'll forgive him seven times, Jesus. Are you impressed? And Jesus is like, no, not seven. I actually want you to forgive him 70 times seven, which is 490 if you want the math on that. I didn't do it in my head. I have it on my little screen down here. And here's Jesus' point. Nobody's keeping those kind of records. You're not going to count to 490, and that's the point. You're going to have to make forgiving and letting go a way of life. It's going to have to be a way of life. And if we do the work, listen to me, church, if you'll do the work of processing your pain, you'll be better, you'll be healthier, you'll have stronger, more meaningful connections with people, you'll have better relationships, you'll have better family, but you gotta do it. And so here's where we'll close today. I wanna ask you a question. How you doing? Like really? Got any of that? What are you carrying today? That I believe with all of my heart, God designed this weekend to say, give me that. Let me help you process that. Let me help you get better. I don't want you in pain. I, I, I think if Jesus could sit down next to you in your seat right now, he'd lean over and he'd say, hey, what happened? Who hurt you? What'd they do to you? All right, let's get better. Let's get healed. That's what he wants for us. So I want you to stand to your feet all across the room. And we're going to close the service a little different than we normally do. We're not going to have the band come out and the high energy and all of that. 
I don't know that I can, in the few minutes we have left, I don't know that you can get all, all your pain dealt with. But I think I can give you a starting point. I, I, I've just been learning. Take that, take that pain and go, go to Jesus with it. Do that first. I mean, you gotta have some other people to process it with, but, but, but go to Jesus first. He wants healing for you. And I've been listening to this song a lot in my own personal prayer time. There's a kind of a throwback remake version of it, but I've been thinking of the, the old school version. I grew up in church singing this song that we're gonna sing together in a moment, and then I'm just gonna give you a moment for prayer. So here's what I wanna do. Let me get the business stuff out of the way. There's connection cards in the seat pocket in front of you. Use those to communicate with us today. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to know that you're here. And I'd like you to know that we don't normally end the service like we're going to today. If you've got a a prayer need in your life or you need to talk to a pastor, let us know on that card. We'd love to come alongside you. If you've got questions about small groups or serving or life track or getting involved or how to be a member here, let us know on that card. There's a digital version being posted online as well. But I wanna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And in just a second, I'm gonna pray for all of us and we're gonna have a moment together. But first I wanna ask you, is Jesus a part of your life? Like at all? And did you even know that he cared about your pain? Did you even know that going to him with that was an option? And if you find yourself today realizing, man, I, I, I need Jesus. I, I, I want to invite you. Don't waste another minute, another second without him in your life, without that relationship in your life. I'm going to help you with the words right now. You can just talk to him right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Take over. Save me. I am broken and I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross to make relationship with you possible. Three days later, you rose from the dead. You broke the curse of sin off my life. Thank you. And from this day on, my life is yours in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed now. Nobody looking around. And I realize this could be very personal, so it's okay if you don't want to participate. But I'd love to just know real quick, please nobody looking around. If you just say, hey, Michael, I got some pain and I need help. I need Jesus to help me figure this out. Would you just wave at me? Just just, just want to know, oh yeah, oh my goodness. Okay. All right, you can put them down. Lord Jesus, you know, you know what every single one of those hands represents. I believe it breaks your heart to see your kids in pain. So Holy Spirit, I ask for your healing touch in this house right now. Wrap your loving arms around your kids. We need you. We need you. So I can't help you get through the whole process today, but I can help you with a starting point. So we're just going to kind of sing this song together, and then I'm going to dismiss you and We'll leave some prayer music on in the auditorium. I'll be hanging out down here at the front if you uh, would 
I'd like to have somebody come, uh, if you'd like to come pray with someone about what's going on in your world. And if you know this, just sing it with me. It's an old song. Sing and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely in the light of his glory and grace come on let's sing that again turn your eyes upon jesus look full in his wonderful face and the things of will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So Jesus, we turn our hearts to you this morning. Some of us are hurting, God, and so we, we recognize today we can't navigate that gap, but you already have, and so we we're coming to you and we're saying, Jesus, can you help? Please help. And I know you don't want your kids in pain, so Lord, help us to take those steps of processing what has hurt so that we can become healed healers on your behalf. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We're going to turn on some prayer music. You can consider this your official dismissal and if you need somebody to talk with or pray with